place to begin the sense of being swept in something, a peak experience, and not necessarily being able to sustain it. But we were all there, you know, like we were all there and we all witnessed it. And, you know, that, that's a moment. And the beginning of a marriage is, it's not, um, it's not the end of something, what it is, but it's the beginning of something. It's the beginning of a journey. So, there's a poem. Last Friday, love used me outrageously to shout its poetry into so many ears that I am un as unwrapped as all my presence. For a while I danced on this great wave like a surfer or a dolphin, but then it broke and I fell. No board, no body, no eye, wiping out so completely, dissolving in love cut like a sheaf of wheat at the height of summer, my last breath a prayer that I would never rise up again. But I did. And in the inevitably, inevitability of resurrection, now there is this poem, the first green shoot, a soft pillow whisper, calling me to love's bed all over again. So we will wipe out. Yeah, Tal. Beautiful ceremony, and as the ceremony ended, uh, we just had a complete meltdown of our relationship where we had both put our relationship up as one of the pieces on the altar, and it just didn't come back. And so that whole night, we were just in full grieving because it was the end of our relationship, and I just felt it down to you know, my core, and I was really mentally you know, trying to plan new things, and but really, really felt that loss. Um, it was so much grief and so much like ecstasy and vulnerability mm. at the same time. Mm. Such a sharp, powerful contrast. Um, and so now we're we're just kind of settling into a very new part, a new new part of our relationship now. So there's something new and beautiful, and it feels like we've sort of crossed over something onto some new magical island, and we're just kind of looking around. So what did you let go of, do you think? I mean, it really felt like all the attachments and all the dreams and the mm -hmm. idea of, of having, like, the only time I've ever wanted to have a child was with Alex, and I just, it was like it was gone with, with that relationship, and so it just felt like just all the attachments I, I had to. Mm. It's the attachments that were released. The attachments, the dreams, the pictures, the, mm. the longing, the... For me, it was like feeling like I had any control over him. So love has domed you, you know. Yes. I had a really beautiful dream the night of the after our wedding, and in that dream, I was. In the field of love, it was we were all there, and I was trying to access Joshua from the outer fields. And I was like, "Where is he?" Because I was just in it. And then some voice was like, "Yeah, you just put at Joshua." And I'm like, "Oh, cool!" So I just put like at Joshua, and then I could like find him in the void. I'm like, "Hey!" And like, <laughs> like, 
And it felt so good to wake up in that and realize, like, oh, yeah, we're just in this ocean of love. And then when we want to, like, pick one out, we're like, oh, it's at Hannah. And I've been <laughs> resistant to technology for the majority of my life. And it just, like, totally flipped technology into this same void that we're just creating magic with here, there. A good point and a good lead into what I want to share today, which is about magic. And um, in a way, it's not safe to share technology around magic to anyone who isn't dedicated to love. Because all you're really doing is deepening their immersion in illusion. Okay, and a lot of people do come to Haydn at least with parts of them, like 51%, 49%, they come with the idea that maybe this will be the next place that they can learn something that they will be able to make a success of their body-mind with. Maybe there'll be some stuff here that they can repackage and you know, their, their you know, multi-level business will take to a new level kind of thing. And that's cool, that's the world out there, but it's not love. And most of us are operating our survival mechanisms out of the truth that there is no love. And because there is no love, we are justified to survive ourselves above other selves. Because right? that's the world out there. We have a justification because we weren't loved to use our soul powers and our magic in order to survive in a separative way over everybody else. And that's just business as normal. That's just the way the world is out there. But if you truly use soul powers for that, then the core of what you're using them for is to prove there's no love. So it's only ever going to create a deeper enslavement and an enmeshment in matter. Because your fundamental principle or driving force comes from the experience of there being no love. So your whole of your body-mind is normally, as an entity, is created around that experience of arriving on the planet as love, feeling rejected, or it's not here, or you know, not recognized, or whatever. So now you have a wound, and that wound means I've got to look after myself, I've got to survive, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, I've got to like, develop some mastery and some skills and whatever, and then I've got to make my mastery and skills better than other people's mastery and skills so that I've got a greater chance of surviving. Hello world, this is the world we live in. So if you teach new technology to the same old beings, then they just now are increasing their leverage, their edge, in a world that's past its use-by date and already so deeply addicted into separative, rivalrous um, business that there's almost no hope for it. And it's said that that was the fall of Atlantis. Like, if you go back to you know, the myths and the stories of the past, that the misuse of magic for personal gain resulted in the fall of Atlantis. Magic is technology. It's just, you know, science of the subtle. It's technology, and if you use that technology from the fundamental principle of being separate from others and in a comp competition with others, you increase that. If you use that magic and that technology in service to, because these are collective energies, if you use collective energies in service of the collective, 
then you bring about a different kind of culture. Yeah. Well, they're not. They didn't descend. They never. They never got past that point in their development. So there wasn't a point where they were just like wearing the. No, because that's the romantic way back machine that thinks somewhere in the past we had enlightened, you know, <coughs> civilization. It's always just like if you look back on your last peak experience, you were relatively enlightened, and now you see that there were whole paces that you <laughs> were and you weren't. You know, so. I don't want to get into the philosophy of the Atlantis. I'm using as an example that if you use, misuse magic, you will deepen your entrenchment in matter. You become cleverer and cleverer. Okay, but cleverness is not love. Cleverness is cleverness. And as Rumi said, if you could give up cleverness, that would be your cleverest trick. <laughs> Cleverness that comes from needing to survive is, is simply manipulation. Mm -hmm. And all magic is manipulation. Mm -hmm. It's like, why are you manipulating? Why are you manipulating your partner? Why are you manipulating your, your business colleagues? Why are you manipulating nature? For what purpose? What's sitting at the core of it? So unfortunately, once you're married to love, you can't ever play that game of manipulation again, or you can't for long. You can't go to your multi-level marketer who explains to you how if you put the color blue on your Facebook page, you'll get more likes. And if you get, you know, 5,000 people to like, you know, give you their email address, and of those 5,000, it's proven that there'll be like 2% that actually come back to one of your courses, and then from those 2%, there'll be a 3% that then, and then you can build this network, and then finally at the center, you'll, all of that's not seeing people as thou. They're all like statistics. They're all market research for customers and clients. But each of those clients is the divine life. Each of your clients or customers or, or you know, uh, workshop participants or whatever it is that you're doing in the world, that's the divine life. And if you treat that as if it's just a thing, a click, uh, uh, you know, whatever, then that's the message you're giving to the universe, and you're going to continue to become isolate and separative until what's happened to the world is a disenchantment of the universe. Like the greatest tragedy that's happened over the last few thousand years is all of the enchantment that was once in the universe has now been placed inside a human being. That someone's consciousness is the source of magic and that meaning does not exist separate from humans, that would be called the anthropocentric principle. In other words, that the universe is a dead matter thing, and we project meaning onto it. It doesn't have meaning itself. Therefore, it doesn't have magic. Therefore, the only meaning in magic is inside us, and we've deteriorated into that meaning in magic has got to do with our selfish, separate individual. That's the height of materialism. That's the destiny of that journey. And it's only when you have had enough of that and you understand that that goes nowhere except into, 
a deeper and deeper rejecting of love in order to survive, then you say goodbye to all of it. And once you say goodbye to all of it, you marry love, and of course, you fall and you fail and you forget and blah, blah, blah. But like all marriages, people have their wedding photo. You know, you go to India or Egypt or whatever, like the whole life is just a shrine, you know, of their wedding day because that was the most important day. Because it was a moment where hope or something came in for them. So when you're married to love, then you, of course, will forget and fall and manipulate and play all of the games of the body-mind, but you won't forget and you'll come back and you'll say a prayer and love will come for you. But it is an ending. It's an, you, you now do not have the power that many of people out there in the world have. They have the power of denying love. And that is a reverse power. Because if you can deny love, you can get away with everything that's unloving. So you have an edge. The person you know who is most insensitive to love can do the most ruthless um, things because they have denied love. So if you choose to make love the center, you can't do those things. So you can't rely on all of the wisdom and the cleverness that you're taught out there in the world because that cleverness has at its root a lack of love. So now you're fucked. But you're also saved because you're, you, you have a greater power than the cleverness that comes from feeling there's no love. You actually have the power of love. And that power of love then gives you back all of your cleverness, but now it's in service of of love and it's in service of the collective. So it's a difficult change and a transition, but that once that transition's made, then you 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 can't if you go back, you end up you end up in, in some kind of both self-disgust and um and uh and a rejection of everything that you have because you know you've denied the core your core marriage. You've been unfaithful to what really matters to your soul. But if you can stand in that place and remember love and then be in the humility of, okay, well then, now how will I operate? How will I operate my system? Well, love will show you. Love will show you how to operate your system. And it's got some fucking kick-ass technology. <laughs> Way better than the clever Facebook marketers. <laughs> it's got some amazing stuff just waiting for enough human beings to like put their hands up and, and be willing. Like to go through the fear of not surviving and not being able to like, you know, losing the advantage in the marketplace, you know, like, um, but to actually genuinely make of themselves a laboratory and an experiment for love to teach them what true power is. So now that we have love, we're halfway in, it's time to start looking towards power. But if power comes before there's love, it will just increase slavery of the soul and matter. But if power comes when there is love, and the motivation for reaching for power and for magical power is in service of that love, so that love that is your 
wedding partner can marry more and more people and express more and more in the world, now you have a valid reason for power. It's not curiosity, it's not your own liberation, it's not your increasing your capacity to have influence in the world in a way that makes sure your survival, you get more sex, you get more money, you get more power. It's actually something that love can use. You've become something good for love to eat. So that's why we go three weeks and really focus on this journey of marrying love. Because you need to know that you're sitting in a group of people who are all married to love. That they have that at least as their prayer inside them. Because one of the deepest things that we have inside us when, we, when love comes along is it's like, oh, I don't want to be naive. You know, I don't want to be naive because the thing is not everybody is loving and I could just be stupid and blah, blah, blah. But when you're sitting in a field of lovers and you've seen them and you've witnessed them and you know them, you have to delete that software. You have to at least give the benefit of the doubt to other people that they're actually souls consciously trying to be lovers in a world that desperately needs love. And so one of the tricks to the new technology that love brings is the abundance of access to other lovers. If you're successful in, in just the body-mind business world, your success is dependent upon being successful. Your power and influence is dependent upon your success. It's not part of who you are. In the realm of lovers, you are always supported, regardless of whether your success in the inner or outer world is fluctuates or moves or whatever, you always have the resources of the group soul to call on. And what a magician of love can do is call upon collective resources on behalf of the collective. They can call upon the enormous resources that we shut ourselves off from when we shut ourselves off from love. We cut our own supply lines. So when we open up those supply lines and we open them up together, then real magic can start to be wrought. So because it's moon day and it's shamanic day, one of the, the places that we want to focus on on the magic today is on the magic of matter and the body. <coughs> and the body. Okay, so when we're doing soul work, Monday, we work with the soul of the body. Tuesday, the soul of the emotions and the erotic self. Wednesday, the soul of consciousness and the mind. Thursday, we put them all together in the heart. And then Friday, we shine that back out. Okay, that's the rhythm of the week. So on Monday, you actually have to feel into what is the soul of the body? What is the soul of the body? And how do we draw and grow the soul of our body so that it orders our physical form? So one of the ways of looking at the soul of the body is, first of all, if you just use this as a, as a model, this is the soul that you only consciously get in touch with on the higher mental plane. 
Okay, you consciously get in touch with it there, but it's always there. Just like the Earth is always in the heliosphere of the Sun. Even though we're inside the magnetosphere of the Earth, it's always sitting in the solar sphere. So we may not be aware of that, but it's always there. And the Sun is always sitting in the galaxy. Okay, so here's the Earth with its magnetosphere, here's the solar heliosphere, Here's the galactic sphere. So this energy of the soul is always penetrating our body-mind, whether or not we're aware of it. So soul energy, as it penetrates our body, we experience as prana and chi and erotic energy and all of that energy of the body. The subtle body, the chakras, that's the soul of the body. Okay, it's not the physical body. It's the energy body. So as people's soul awakens at a body level, which is a seventh ray energetic plane level, then their chakras activate, their kundalini activates, their light body turns on, they become aware of themselves as an energy body. So, and the soul of the body is really important because if the body isn't alive, if it isn't vibrating with prana, then, then the soul of consciousness and these other levels can't land on the physical plane because the, the body isn't, doesn't have the mechanism, the soul hasn't conditioned the body. And so then our emotional work, the soul shining through the emotional body is represented by a clearing of all of your emotional stuff, a deepening of your heart connection. The love of the soul is now able to shine through your emotions, which is why if you have a great emotional release, like on level one or whatever, afterwards sometimes the soul can really land in your heart because you've cleared your emotions so that the soul can reveal itself through your feelings. And on the mental plane, the soul is, is that... Um, that energy of consciousness that's, that's free of mind. Because mind is thought and thought form. So the matter on the mental plane is ideas and concepts, which are matter, they're a thought form. But the energy of the thinker, the energy of consciousness, can radiate through thought forms. So if you can free your mind from thinking, what, what's no mind is basically the energy of soul flowing through the mind without falling into thought forms. The energy of your emotional body, of love, the soul through your emotional body is love without falling into romantic attachment and relationship. The energy on the physical body is eros and prana flowing through without necessarily falling into sexuality or falling into matter. Okay, so this is the soul as it's shining through the body-mind as it's moving through. And some people are more adept at one. You know, if, if your soul can shine through your mind, then, then you can transmit um, like the sage consciousness that other people's minds respond to and vibrate. If it's shining through your emotional body, then, then there's a feeling of love and compassion that hearts and emotions feel. And if it's shining through your body, then people can feel the soul vibration coming through your body and their body responds gets activated. If you can do through all three, then you can transmit soul through body-mind. So we're all looking to learn how soul energy can shine through, because persona means to sound through. If your soul can shine through your body-mind, now 
you have soul shine in the world. Whatever it is that you're talking about or doing or teaching or whatever, it has soul in its essence. Okay, so in the esoteric traditions, because these, these are like planes of matter, these are made up of different little beings. So the god of Agni in, the, in Sanskrit is this god of fire that's divided itself into three parts. And on the etheric, the energy that makes up your chakras, that makes up your energy body, is made up of, of in Sanskrit, called Agni Chaitans. And these beings are Agni Syrians, and these beings are Agni Shvatas. I'm telling you this not because you want, need to remember the names, but to understand that as we've developed wisdom on the planet in different traditions, there's, there's, there's an understanding or awareness of how to work with matter. And that these are part of our own body-mind. But if we try to work with them when we still are them, we're still, we still think we are our thoughts, our feelings, and our erotic charges, if we think we are them, we can't work with them. If you try to work with them, you would just cause drama in your own system because it's like your hand is trying to touch its hand. And it's said that this relationship between the Davic lives, which is what these are, and humans has been parted now for some time because we've fallen so deeply into materiality. Because we are stuck in our body-mind, the the connection between humans and devas has been broken for good reason. Because if we try to manipulate devas from being stuck within devas, we cause disaster. So this is the story of the elves and the humans. Okay, it's held in all traditions. You know, the elves have gone away, they've sailed into the west or whatever, the beings that live in the forest. It's like this is the angelic devic lives of matter. And the separation of our awareness, our consciousness from the enchantment of matter has been necessary because of our deep immersement in materiality. But if you can free yourself into the soul, now you can work with the devic lives in a magical way. They want to cooperate with humans. You know, in the Lord of the Rings or whatever, the elves finally came in the great battle, you know, because they remembered once the, the, the relationship between elves and humans had been good. So all of this story actually is, is happening right inside us. The elves are all of the little particles that make up our physical and, and emotional and, and, um, emo and heart and consciousness. They're all ranks of devas and elves and angelic lives that we live through. So learning how to work with these energies to produce fields of magic is part of what magicians do. And many of us do it unconsciously anyway. Because your soul's like someone who can move the Agnishurians. That's someone who can dominate the emotional body of the group. Okay, because their magic is moving those energies of emotion in a field and everybody's feeling it in their vibration. So you can feel it when somebody just like, you know, in your family, someone's got really strong emotion and everybody like feels it. But actually, a lot of magic is becoming conscious of what our superpowers already are. You already have some of these superpowers and if you become fully conscious as a soul, you can begin to put them in service of the collective.
So you can dominate the emotional body of a group for your own benefit, and the soul can work with the emotional body of a group to uplift everybody so that they can feel love. It's the same magic, but the driving force from the magic is different. So these devic lives are individual, and they're also collective. So you have your own emotional, emotional lives, and then those emotional lives are impacted by your emotional connections with others or your erotic connections with others, and then you're in a field. So part of, part of what Haydn is is a field of magic. It's a conscious vibratory field of devic lives, as well as purpose, that are designed to help vibrate the devic lives of your bodies in a way that changes them in alignment with your sole purpose for being here. Okay, that's why if you generate over a long period of time David feels that are designed for manipulation, then that's what those David fields are for. If a David field is dedicated like here to the evolution of the soul, it creates a very different vibration. And most of us have set up inside our own David fields patterns of behavior and connection that are designed for the world out there. Okay, they're designed to survive in that world out there, to meet energetically that world out there, and to um, uh, be able to reflect it. And many of those patterns are addictive. Okay, and often what an addiction is, is it's some of the lives in your David field that have an independent operation, like a longing for alcohol or a longing for sex or something, that is separate from your soul. So your soul has no mind, so it's set up a separate horizontal attachment to something which feeds it in the absence of there being love. Okay? So if you bring love to that, it, it will release its addiction. Because that's what it really wanted. It really didn't want the alcohol. It really didn't want... That's why they're getting now in... in you know, most addictions is really a desire for connection. But really a desire for connection is a desire for love. And really a desire for love from another is a desire to know love in oneself. And really the source of that love is the soul. So the solution to all addictive problems is the soul has to shine through the part that has not experienced love and is longing for it from something else, from somewhere else. That makes sense. So the inner work of magic with those bits is to stop the addiction, stop the pattern of the longing for something else, the horizontal relating, and then pour the love of the soul into it. So the invitation today, because we're working with shamanics, now that you've married love, it's time to let go of all of the addictive patterns in your body-mind that have been set up to deal with the fact that there is no love. Mm -hmm. And you can work with them piece by piece, relationship by relationship, or you can just let them all go. But you can only let them all go if, you're, if you've found something else. If you've married love, you no longer need all of the things that you had compensated yourself for because there was no love. Because now you're married to love. So all of those compensations, all of those patterns of being can be let go of now.
But that's scary shit because they have, they have what's kept you safe till now. All of the ways that your sexual self reaches out to another sexual self or your emotional self just knows who's wounded in the same way that you're wounded or your mental self can just figure out where the money is that you need to survive. You know, All of those patterns of unconscious magic can be deleted because you have what you were looking for, that they were compensatory for. So it's like a great money laundering system where you can just launder everything and reset yourself because now the center of your life is based on love. And so any techniques or practices or so on that were not based on that and now no, no, not useful to you. They're more just going to be in the way. Yeah. Yes. It's just possible like, to aspect yourself, but you're, you're actually doing more than that. You actually have enough light and witness, um, enough light now to be able to talk to those fire elementals in your body and say, hey, hey, I was asleep, I'm here now. Right, what, what can we do together? How can we, how can we work together? Because they're gated entities mm. that make up different, what, what you're saying. And, yeah. and the whole idea of the gated evolution is that you work with that. Well, they're supposed to actually follow human will. They've given themselves to human will. So basically, you are responsible for the state of your datas. Yeah, if, you, if they're addictive, you can't just say, oh, my body's addicted to alcohol, it must be my genes or whatever. You supported your body's addiction by sending it over and over again. Now it's set up this pattern and this habit. It needs your will to change it. And that will is the will of your soul's commitment to love. Then the next step is, okay, there are devas that serve um, our small wills, the will of our body-mind, but then we have devas that do not serve that. They serve the will of our soul. And these devas are there in your body too. So have you ever noticed that sometimes your body is smarter than your ego? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your body refuses to serve your ego. Your ego might think you want to do this or whatever, but your body just says no. Because when your body's energized enough and has soul energy, that soul energy won't bend to your ego. Okay, so if you want to have a safe little box that you can dominate forever, don't invite soul energy into your box. Because the more soul energy you have, the more it will undermine your ego. Your body will say no, and then your emotions eventually will say no. They'll, they'll say, Fuck no, I've actually experienced love. I'm not going to be manipulated by you anymore. And your mind will start to say no. And so then you'll start to have an inner rebellion of the soul to the body-mind. Yes? Could it work the other way around? If you were in like body-mind fear and contraction and like trying to resist something yes. because of fear, but your soul is in your body enough to say, no, this is what we need, and so the body responds with an attitude, yes? Can it work that way? Exactly. Yeah. Which is the huge danger of the victim consciousness in the world that's really basically body-mind saying, I know I've fucked up and been cruel and manipulative and selfish all of this time, but now it's unfair for me to, to have anything negative happen. So the soul is trying to crack the body-mind open and the body-mind is claiming victim. You know, after, you know, you know, the soul trying every other way except giving it a crack, you know, then it claims victim. 
So your soul is the part of you that's trying, not just through your consciousness, but also through your heart and through your body, body to override the personality that's still got um, cleverness based on fear and control. You can't change that in the outer world until it's fully changed in you. And you're, only, you're probably here because you've got at least 51% of that. You've got enough of your soul saying, actually, I'm in service of love. But now you've committed to love. And so that means the, the remaining 49% or 22 or 5% or whatever, they're now, they're now going to come up because you've now committed to love and they were, they were happy going along underneath everything. But when you make that choice, they'll come up and they come up to surrender. But it feels like when they come up, oh my God, I've got this shit that I thought I dealt with, that, you know, like I can't, you know, like this, this, there's something in me that's bad or wrong or whatever. But actually those parts are all just coming up to surrender to the decision that you made to have love be the master of your life. So you have to accept that that's going to, they're going to come up because love is bringing them up and you have to find a way of meeting them with grace and, and, um, and compassion and each other like leaning into each other. And that means no more victim stories, no more long psychological implications that somebody else is a bit fucked and that, you know, like all of that has to be gone because that's all part of that whole world. And it's just basically like love or anything that's not love, if you're not coming from love, stop. Like what needs to be healed here? What needs to come to love here in this moment? Because it's certainly not the story that's running in your head of wounding or whatever. So part of the technology of love is, is at least a fast path by saying no to all of the stuff from before. And it's very simple. It's like, this is a field of love now. If you're not experiencing love, then something's coming up for healing inside you. Yeah. Struggling with, um, I guess, the, the shame that comes up when I know something's so not my soul and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It keeps me just like looping in patterns and sensing yeah. like, cool, there's the neediness part again or whatever. But instead it's like, oh, I, yeah, just shame it and then it just takes so much. Anybody else relate to that? Everybody look around. So that's one of the, the, the things is like, well, now I'm supposed to be soul and loving, and now this piece has come up, which seems like the opposite of that. So, but if in this frame, it's because there's love that that piece can feel safe to come up, and it's a test of love whether or not you accept it or not. So then you're seeing it instead of like, oh my God, this will prove that I'm un unloving. You've got like, oh my God, here's a test of my love. Can I embrace this piece? Can I admit it to other people? Can I humble myself, you know, you know, by admitting that I'm jealous and that I'm angry and that I feel like dying or that, you know, whatever the story is. That's bringing it to love and clearing it. Whereas like letting it run a story or keeping it hidden or playing it out with someone else isn't. So there's a very deep tenderness that happens amongst us all now too as we understand that we're all in this process. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, I'm sitting in a spirit center. Could you just touch on the, the marriage between the human and the David kingdom? Mm -hmm. Because it feels like in order to 
help lift and repattern what you need the help of sure. a particular world. We need the help of them, but we need the help of the right ones. So it's said that the marriage between human and deva can only happen up here. Because down here, we still treat the devas as less than us. Okay, it's only up here that we recognize that the angelic and the human kingdoms are part of the same thing, which is us. And therefore, we truly give equality. So equality to the feminine happens on the buddhic plane. Otherwise, the feminine, as it concerns matter, is always treated as less than the will of the soul because we are, we're still learning. So the way that works out in individuals, too, is that you can begin to summon and work with devas of the soul. Okay, The, the devas of your body-mind are devas that you're needing to have the soul energy shine through. But you can have help from the, the, a whole universe of deva lives. So, for example, what we're going to do tonight, we're going to have an ecstatic temple with the soul of the body of Haydn. Okay, just like if you look into yourself, you have a body, but you have a soul of the body, which is different from the soul of your consciousness. You have a soul of your emotional body. And in esoteric traditions, they even give these beings names. Like the Lord of all of our emotional bodies is called a particular being that you can summon and call if you are working with all of our emotional bodies. The, 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 all of our mental bodies, the whole mental plane is one being that encompasses all of our minds. It's the matter, the field that all of our minds are vibrating in. So, you know, what great muses or poets or so on are, are doing that, that are the classics, they're tapping into this field that is all of ours and they're bringing a piece of that so that everybody recognizes that over time or over a civilization. Very different from the artist who's just expressing their own emotional angst about mummy on a canvas. Okay, if you, are, if you are calling in part of a field that's a collective field, it's recognized by everyone in the collective field. So classics aren't because somebody had a really good, clever body-mind you know, marketing program to you know, enroll everybody in thinking they're great. Classics are because somebody drew on a universal quality out of the universal field and shone it through an individual so we could all see it. That's the power of the magic of love. So in a place like this, Haydn has a physical body. It has the property and the rose gardens and the stones and, and, and you know, some of those uh, relationships between the matter and the soul body of Haydn are conscious. So those soul stones, for example, were bought and put here in a very conscious ritual. And as part of the ritual, it felt like um, an angel came into each stone, like gave itself to like, I will hold this energy. And so that stone is an anchor point for a particular quality of energy, which, which has helped what set up a vibratory field for the school. So when you go to your stone, you can look at the physical stone, you can penetrate into the 
the, the um, Davic life of the stone itself. That's what people who talk to crystals do. They go into the stone, uh, the, the soul of that particular quality of the mineral kingdom. But it also has an anchor point for consciousness. So you can talk to the consciousness of your stone, which is a being that is incarnated through that stone to hold an energy point. So you can go have a chat to the soul of your stone. And in fact, there's a project that people are working with to like go create poetry and other things. So the stones become more alive. So the same is true of this whole place. And you know, if you want to talk to the soul of the body of Haydn, Many people see it in different ways. Often people see it as a white lady. It's the most common um, <coughs> experience that people have shamanically if they want to talk to the womb of Haydn, which is basically the Davic life that makes up all of the Davic lives of this being called Haydn. So you could imagine that each rose is a physical form, but also is a deva, it's an angel. And also, deeper, the spirit of the rose is the same spirit that's in you. So you can be the rose, you can talk to the soul of the rose, and you can gaze upon the beauty of its body. And the same with Haydn. You can wander the ground and see, see its beauty, or you can talk to the soul of Haydn, the soul of Haydn's body, which is different than the consciousness of Haydn, the soul of Haydn's body, and you can be at one with it through spirit. So these are the ways that a magician can enter into relationship with your environment. So what we're going to do tonight is invoke and call forth the soul of the body of Haydn, this white lady or however we see it, and invite it to come through our bodies. And with a particular purpose of vibrating out all of those patterns we don't need anymore. All of those patterns that were based on a survival mechanism and, you know, they're not being loved and techniques of relating our devas to other people's devas, patterns that are basically coming out of a paradigm where there's no love. To vibrate them all out and then to bring in the angelic life that is held in this place that can then come into our bodies and create different pathways and different patterns for our devic lives. Would you like to have a go at that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably both that the interaction between the energy of the stone itself and our human will and intention is what allows the more subtle realms to come and anchor in that stone. And, you know, that can be blown up to a big picture too. It's like, what is a human stone? And what brought more subtle levels of you into incarnation in order to be you? So you can also work with the soul of larger entities. So for my work here, it's said that the mystery schools will only land when the soul of the nation is ready. So I spent two years working with the soul of New Zealand in the way that I could, which was travel all over the country, talk to the musicians and the poets, and the, like, what is, what is this being that's emerging, traveling all over the land, seeing where is the land coming up? It's not a, writing a book. Um, it's, not a, um, it's not a process. It's, it's not a, an outcome. It's a process. So the soul of a nation or, or an island 
is also a living entity, and so is the soul of the world. These are all beings that you can relate to through your awareness and through your body and through the soul if you are vibrating at the same frequency that they are. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And and again, there, there are, you know, people have all kinds of energetic hygiene issues. Like once they become aware out of this little separate self that, oh my God, there are these much greater entities than me, then then how will I, how do I engage them? And also, does that mean other people are, can can roll me with higher energies? And of course the answer is yes, 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 it's already happening. It's already happening all of the time, everywhere. What a conscious magician is, is someone who can feel that it's happening, they can hold their awareness in the fact that it's happening, they can call upon a greater power, which is the power of love, which is its own shield. Okay, so all of the white light protection, all of the, the, that stuff, if you're married to love, don't worry so much. Love is the greatest shield. Okay, if your motive is love and you're coming from that place, then you have a natural inbuilt protection, immune system, and still you can encounter forces greater than you're able to handle right now. And so wisdom goes along with the love, and wisdom is about how I can deal with what I can deal with right now. So you can say to love, look, put me in the right place. Don't open doors that I'm not ready to walk through. Open the doors that I am. Yes, Dave. Uh, I was just curious what years you were traveling around New Zealand, uh, mm. connecting with the soul of the country. Mm. It was mainly the early 90s when I was doing that work. And, you know, many, many stories, of course, of other people, like you were here, Des, and I had other friends, and, and like, when something is ready to happen, many people are drawn to it, because we're all cells in something. Just like we're cells in something here on this training, which is about us, but it's not just about us. That's the soul of this mystery school is using us to create something that future generations will also come to harvest. So there's an illusion that gradually gets broken that we are separate. We're not separate. We can build on the illusion of our separation, but then we deny ourselves the collective help. So part of shamanic magic is being able to work with and cooperate with, to know when to follow and when to direct the shamanic energies of the devic lives and of the angelic lives. And they exist in matter, you know, the, the, the energies of a forest. So, you know, the, the shamanic, you know, thing of a forest is, yes, you can talk to a tree or you can talk to the devic life of the forest, which then talks to the trees, which then, so the greater always includes the lesser. So if you are able to extend out of your personal self into your soul, that soul includes your personal self. And the great fear when people make that transition is, oh my God, if I give my life to soul, then what will become of my personal self? Who will manage my finances and blah, blah, blah? But your personal self is inside your soul. So you're giving yourself to a greater part of yourself, which includes your personal self. But now the mechanism that it uses is love and consciousness, not the clunkiness 
of your mind thinking up the right strategy and your emotions manipulating others to give you the love you never got and your sexual self using sacral magic to make money and like the soul is working through you and it cares for you like you it's an it's an instrument that it's it's a, a musician loves their guitar why do you think your soul would not love your body mind and make sure that it's well fed and well nourished and healed and so often that fear is that the greater will repress the lesser, that the bigger self will ignore the, the little self. But actually, the spaciness comes because you can spend more time in the subtle realms outside your body-mind. So instead of going to sleep and then you can actually stay awake while you sleep. And you can stay awake while you sleep while you're talking to someone. So you have these these levels of yourself awake as well as these levels and sometimes you spend out of your body mind and sometimes you spend through you shine through your body mind and when you're shining through your body mind you find all of the places that still don't know love and you're trying to shine through them okay but it's much faster than being in them going to therapy okay yeah what was the question um, yeah Yeah. I don't necessarily feel like I'm getting like Sleep. parasympathetic <laughs> time in for my system and it's in a way it's beautiful because it's overriding my mental capacity yeah. to attach to old ways of doing things but I feel like I'm just like broken and like I'm like a mush yeah. and like words are failing me and yeah it's just great is anybody else is anybody else struggling with their sleep cycle in the field or no? Yeah, so because you're in a field of energy and consciousness, and I think I think part of it is to let go of control around it because our control is like you know we should sleep and we should eat and we should you know blah blah blah. But actually, if you're in a field, you're coming more under your soul direction, and so if, if you're awake at night rather than going into, oh my God, I'm awake at night, I won't be able to sleep tomorrow, it's like I'll be full asleep in the lecture, it's like I'm awake, what, what do you want? Like, what, what, what part of me needs me to be awake rather than resisting it and trying to be in control? And I think if you do that, then the answer will come quite fast and then you'll sleep, you know? Yeah. What about the matter? What about yeah. dark matter? Yeah, right, well that's the, the development of the stage beyond working with consciousness and matter is the dark light. So up here, this level, so you could say this is the galaxy, this is the, the heliosphere, this is the, the earth sphere. So this energy is also shining through the soul and shining through the body-mind. So once you have some degree of soul identity, you can go to void, you can go to the energy of the void in matter, which is the symbol of that is the center of the galaxy. And you can breathe that energy through the soul, which makes the soul energy even more powerful to penetrate body-mind. Okay, so if you're a soul and you've been trying for years to, to work with the emotional issue of abandonment by your mother, and you've never been able to crack it, okay, because for some reason that's so powerful your soul energy can't shine through it. Go get some void dark light and then try. 
okay, because this energy penetrates matter. Light doesn't penetrate matter. Light only partially penetrates matter. Even though we've had our consciousness now break an atom, light doesn't normally penetrate matter, but dark light does. And then beyond dark light, you know, you're outside matter altogether. But dark light is the energy of void transmitting through soul into matter. And also realize that this is already here. It's not like you have to go here to get this to come back here. If you can access it, you can access it right the way down here. You don't have to climb the ladder for dark light. Because dark light is coming out of the atoms of your body as well as this. But if you want consciousness, that's why it said that the some of the indigenous tribes did not develop their consciousness of soul, so they were not aware of in their minds of soul, but they're accessing soul directly through the etheric. They gave up developing their minds so that they could hold soul on the physical plane. And the same is true with dark light. You can access dark light through the body. But if you don't have this connection as well, then you're going to have to work really hard to keep listening to dark light in the body because you can't bring it in through consciousness. And what we would like is to bring it through consciousness and body-mind together. Yeah. Now, this whole thing can be mirrored, added. Yeah, and psh, this no, way like, and so like on this. as well. So there's this, sorry, and then a mirror image like that yes. for the descending, going into the Yes, stuff. upside down Kabbalah. Yeah, yeah. Right. so the whole sphere is going like this. In fact, in my Agni book, I actually got all of these turned into rotating spheres in different colors, and then in a 3D world, put cameras inside them and saw where the portals overlapped. And I got, you know, I was fascinated with this process of spheres within spheres within spheres. And how do we move through the spheres as conscious beings and play with all of these portals? Because every time spheres interact with spheres, there's a portal. And that portal is an access point to energy and consciousness. The point for today, though, is... Um, on Monday, we work with the shamanic powers of the soul and the body. And like all magic, if you can go to the greater, it includes the lesser. If you give your life to love, then it's not a negating of your personal self. Because that was the, the fear of the Piscean model. The fear was um, sacrifice, that I give up my personal self for the collective. I die for my country, I go to the cross for the whole, so I sacrifice my personal self for the greater. Okay, or the, the, the monks here, I give up sex. No more sex for, I'm gonna use my sexual energy for God. So it's a negating of this, of the personal, for the sake of the universal. But in the seventh ray age, this needs to be the vehicle for this. So you're not giving it up by chopping it off. You're giving it up to let this shine through it. Okay? You're giving up your romance to let the romance of the divine life pour through you. So now people will fall in love with you everywhere romantically, but they're falling in love with the divine life. You give up your sex as a separative thing for the sake of 
the higher, and then now your sexual energy is being used by deeper parts of your being. So in the Aquarian age, it's not a cutting off of the personal, it's a surrender so that the greater can shine through it. And you are that greater, so you spend more and more time in your personal one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's two different ways to understand that. Some ways, shamanic any shamanic power is is being able to work with matter, and there's matter up here, and there's matter here. So a cosmic shaman can work with the soul of the world because it's in matter. How we mostly understand shamanism is got to do with the soul's capacity to work with this energy. So indigenous shamans, for example, they're mainly working with the soul energy that's in matter and in the etheric and in the emotions. In the old Maori mystery schools, you had to kill your teacher. Like that's how you graduated or that you found the new teacher. So a lot of black magic was using power in the realm of matter to dominate. So a lot of, if you really get in with the shamans, be careful, because the shamans are about power often, and not necessarily about love. So shamanic power has got to do with using more and more collective energy to dominate in the physical. If you integrate that kind of shamanic power, the indigenous, with the love of the soul, which is all of the magic of consciousness and the dark light. Now you have, like I would call a cosmic shaman, someone who can play with celestial or consciousness or embodied energies of matter. Yeah. yeah. On the dark side, they're aware of these elementals and the fire of matter. Of course. And the history of magicians, you look at Crowley, or you look at um, Dee, or, or, or the Western magic traditions, or Eastern magic traditions, and so on. Magic is always the capacity to influence um, through the manipulation of matter, which is shamanic power. Okay, but, then the, but the question is why, and the purity of motive has been evolving. And the great thing for humanity is that as consciousness has evolved, and all the things like ethics and... Um, you know, as civilization has matured in consciousness and become much more integrated, then our deep use of magic can start to become collective and it can start to become much more colored by love and service for the whole rather than a few magicians trying to hold on to esoteric power for the future. So magic is starting to break out into the world, but the understanding of magic it has to be much deeper than just what the snake told me on ayahuasca or um, you know, what my lucid dreaming has. Like we're really just playing, like it's kids playing in a sandbox. Real magic is part of actually a celestial you know, thing where humans are very, very small players. Yeah. So if humans can really understand their, their, their place and can work in, in collectively to allow the magic that already exists to move through us consciously. Now we have technology which is a source of power that can radically change our environment. 
as different as, you know, um, in the past, whole big changes, like the discovery of fire, for example, radically changes the culture. The wheel, you know, the, we're on the brink of a deep technology of the soul making itself available to humanity, which can radically change our lives. Yeah. Yeah, this is part of, uh, uh, you can call it uh, galactic ecology. I mean, the whole ecology that, I mean, we, we just evolved to that is planetary ecology from, yes. like, it was local ecology. Yes. And in the last decades, we're, like, aware that everything that happens one place on the planet is affecting the other, so we're on planetary ecology, and everybody's freaking out with that. But the truth is that this planet is part of a bigger picture that we don't have a clue about. And, we don't right. and, and any system, when you just look at a little focused place and you don't see the bigger picture, you don't understand anything. Yeah. So maybe the you know remember like think global act local, yeah. you know it's really like think cosmic, act planetary, and and act planetary, but also also local. Okay, so even down into your own environment of your bedroom right now, like how does your bedroom reflect the cosmic patterns? And what part of what magic is as above, so below. So you need both. Like when we had the Maori guy come at the beginning, yes, if you're just stuck in indigenous shamanic magic, then it's all got to do with what's your whakapapa? Where does your bloodline come from? Oh, you're not part of the kings, then you don't matter so much as the other ones. But your real whakapapa from a soul perspective is like, it doesn't matter so much which mountain and river my ancestor lived in. I come from the center of the galaxy. And beyond that, I come from the infinite, eternal source of all life. That's my whakapapa. That's what gives me the right to stand and speak here on the earth, is my lineage is not just measured by where my body came from. It's measured by what level other parts of me have been able to access. But then, marry them together. Yes, it's amazing to have your soul connected with its invincible, eternal origin. And your body also has come from a particular place. And you're in love with that mountain and that river. And this is your apartment with its little two little sunflowers growing in the corner. How can they all be married together? So the sacredness is in all. Yeah. Sure. Well, once again, I'd say like the fundamental antidote, like, you know, now, now everyone's worried about the coronavirus and like they're trying to find like what's the, the thing. The fundamental, you know, antidote for all of that is love. Because actually if, if, if you have found love in your core and if love is your motivation, then that, it's a loving universe and the universe will not try to overload you with more than you can handle. But if we're coming from fear, then that, that's the message we're giving out. So what we're vibrating. So love is the first thing, like, like marry love. 
Like have that at the core and the principle of, of your being. Then develop wisdom. And wisdom is equipping your consciousness with an understanding of the rules of magic and the, and the, the ways that we can be overwhelmed and all of those different things. So you do need to develop a good understanding of, of all of these things. But love is the most important. And then practice an expression of that in service. So I would say the three most important things for a magician is your internal work, like meditation, prayer, whatever is your path to access the, 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 the energetic inflows. Um, service, so pouring it out in love so that it moves through you and flows through you into the world. However that looks, it could be like poetry, it could be your business or whatever it is. If it's not moving through you, it will get stuck. And then the intelligence, which is the intelligence of your heart and of your consciousness and so on, so that you are, have some understanding of the powers that you're working with so that you can use them wisely. So those are the three most important things. And also having a community of people that we can actually have these conversations with. Because okay, what most people do is like they have the conversations of the body-mind world or they have their like ayahuasca trip conversations with each other or they um, have the mentally ill conversations that take them off into an asylum. But we don't have intelligent conversations about the subtle world that's going on inside us. And most of us actually are so bored with the types of conversation we have, even sometimes here. <laughs> right? Because, because there's so much that we should be talking about to each other, but those deeper parts of us feel so sensitive that they're not going to be met, that they're not going to be understood. And so we're still waiting for the world to come into our temple instead of bringing our temple out. Because if you bring your temple out and you initiate a conversation from a deeper level of your being, I guarantee you'll be met, if not by the first person, but by the next or the next, with relief, like, holy fuck, that's in you as well. Let me tell you my piece. Now we develop a collective wisdom. And so we don't, you know, like we don't need to have our minds blown. It's beautiful sometimes to do that. We really just need to blow them up to the next piece. We really just need the next piece. We don't, because our mind can get greedy with trying to understand the whole much more than we can possibly apply. So the danger of esoteric information is that the mind gets greedy to have more information because it thinks it's clever. But actually, any information you can't use is of no use in the seventh ray mystery school. You've got, so what you need to be asking for, praying for, meditating for, is not give me the most smart thing in the world, but like give me the peace that I can use now in my life to love more fully and deeply myself and others and serve the soul of the world more. Give me that peace.
And also in our relating, you know, there's all kinds of reasons to relate with others. But you are in a very rich field, in a very rare field. And if you're truly here to accelerate your evolution so you can accelerate the planet's evolution so that you can bring more love into the world, then that should be the driving line of your connection with others too. Not necessarily like who likes me and who do I fancy. And it's like if, if that's what's singing in the core of your soul, that level of intensity, then it's going to want to form the connections that you do have. And the person that you're sitting next to, if you're, if you're reaching through them to the soul of the universe, that's what will come through. If you're seeing them as you know, someone that I know or like, or like how you see them will affect what moves through them to you and what's moving through you to them. So this invitation for the next three weeks is dial up the fucking um, gauge. Like dial it up so that you're here at the deepest level of intensity of the love that you are and your demand. You can demand from love once you're married to love. You can make legitimate demands of like, show me, reveal yourself to me. Like, you know, go into your day from a high point of tension that asks for what's in, around you that you need to come to you. And if you have also the reverse prayer, which is like, I'm willing. If there's something that wants to move through me that will help somebody else's soul journey, I want that. So we're starting to play that game, and that sets up a different form of attraction in the field. It sets up a vibratory attraction between souls that have gifts and for each other. And, you know, if you can really start to feel, okay, my life is given to love, and if I'm letting go of a lot of my cleverness, what do I need? What resources do I need now that actually enable that love that I'm married to to much more fully and deeply manifest in my life? And so here's a resource, the people here. There's the energetic resources of the field, including libraries and you know, um, the David life, the rocks and the stones talk and so on. And then through this, this is a portal is cosmic realms and shamanic earthly realms that are also available. So we start to, to, to open ourselves to the fact that we're playing in this much bigger game and that you can bring energies from here down into here and energies from here into here. But you have to be looking for them because if you're wearing blinkers of the normal personal self, like I want emotional connection with you or I want sexual connection with you or I want to explain to you how brilliant I am about human design or something, then that's what you'll get. You'll get transactional body-mind interaction. If you walk out as the divine life seeking that to play with, then that's what will order your synchronicities and your magic in your connection with others. So that's magic. Magic is vibrating at such an intense level that the universe around you responds to that vibration with the resonance of what you're calling forth. Okay, any questions or comments before we break for lunch? Maybe it'd be good to just like have a share. Have a share with us.